Greetings in the wonderful name of Jesus. Welcome to the second installment of the Galatians Bible study. What we're doing is we're going through uh, the Apostle Paul's letter to the Galatians verse by verse. Um, if you hadn't been able to see the the, the first video, um, it's called Introduction to Galatians. I encourage you to go back and, and listen to the video um, and you'll get some more information about what we're doing. Um, as I said in the first video, if uh, you have any questions um, regarding uh, what we discuss today, you can leave your questions um, in the comment section underneath the video. Um, also, I'll add my notes from everything we cover today um, in the comment section on uh, YouTube, and I'll also add them to the church's Bible study page on Facebook, and I'll add it also to the, the church's website, gospelrevolutionchurch.com. You can also find all the videos on the website um, and also on um, the church's Bible study page. It's called the Gospel Revolution Church Bible study page. If you're not part of that page, um, you can uh, search us on Facebook and just um make a request to uh, be added there. It's also uh, all the Bible studies are also the audio is being uploaded to the podcast. And there's also um, audio on the website. If you prefer to download the audio, if you prefer to listen to the audio, um, you can do it through the Gospel Revolution Church podcast on iTunes, or you could download it from the website. The link for the podcast is on the website. Once again, it's gospelrevolutionchurch.com. Well, I've just been having so much fun um, thinking about the letter to the Galatians, and, and even as I just sit and, and, and think about what was in Paul's heart and, and what he was trying to communicate here, um, even just over the last week, I've gotten so much uh, revelation um, and uh, clarity to what Paul's talking talking about. And so I hope you, you've had a good time marinating um, and thinking um, about the, the, the first uh, video and, and the verses there. I know it can be difficult for us sometimes. We, we want to uh, try and hurry up and get through something that we think the, <laughs> we think the purpose of something is getting through it, or the purpose of something is so we can get to the end of it and, and say that we did it. But what we want to do is, is just take a deep breath and just sit, um, sit in this letter for a while and sit with God for a while and see um, everything that's there to be seen and just allow the Holy Spirit to put together the puzzle um, that is the letter to the Galatians for us. And we can see all the different ways that it's fitted together and, and all the different things that it's describing um, and, and, and guiding us into. And that's, that's my, my hope um, in, in us sitting together. My hope is that in us uh, sitting together and going through this letter together, um, that it will bring more clarity to the scriptures and it will bring more clarity to the, the faith that was in the Apostle Paul's heart as he was writing uh, this letter to the, the Galatians. You know, if we don't understand what was in Paul's heart when, when he wrote the letter, we'll have a hard time um, seeing what he's trying to say there. Uh, and if we, we don't understand and we don't see the faith that was in Paul's heart and, and what he was thinking about when he wrote the letter, what will end up happening is, is we'll read into the scriptures, our own traditions, and our own cultures. And listen, in, in Galatians chapter 6, Paul, uh, Paul was, was expressing to the Galatians how important this letter was. And um, he, he says, you see how large of a letter I wrote with my own hand, uh, and that I didn't wait for a scribe to come to pen the letter for me. But the contents of this letter are so critical, they're so imperative, they're so important, to you experiencing the life of Christ, to Christ being made full effect in your lives, that I wrote this letter by my own hand. Now listen, if Paul thought the contents of this letter were critical 
to us seeing Christ being made full effect in our lives, if he thought it was critical, the content of this letter, the things he was teaching in this letter were critical to us experiencing the life of Christ, then we want to know what Paul was thinking when he wrote the letter. And we, we, we want to scrap our traditions and our cultures um, that, that, that try to come into play when we read these letters. We're not trying to read our traditions or our cultures into these letters. We can allow the truth that's in these letters to discern our traditions and discern our cultures and tell, this, tell us whether they be born from above or whether they be born of this world. Absolutely. But when we read a letter written by someone, we want to read it from the perspective of what they were trying to write. And instead of reading it from the perspective of what we want to see. Um, so glory to God. That's, that's our, our hope um, for this Bible study as we go through it. Um, and, and with that, we will pick it up um, in verse uh, chapter 1, verse um, 6. Uh, and just to give a, a little, a little re recap to the first five verses, I won't go into great detail, but Paul began his letter to the Galatians saying that he was made an apostle and given his message um, by God the Father revealing uh, Jesus Christ to him while he was on the road to D Damascus. That, that's how he begins his letter. He, he lays out um, where his apostleship came from, who, how he was ordained as an apostle, and where he got his message. And he's continuing to build on that. Um, that's the, the point he makes in the first five verses, and we'll pick it up in verse six here. And Paul says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Okay, well, we'll just um, stop there and, and go back and, and look over those verses. Um, We'll look at verse 6 and 7. Paul says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace, grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another gospel at all. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Okay, so it, it's God himself who called the Galatians out of the strength um, that's of the world into the grace of Christ. The, the Galatians, um, the way they were living in the world is the Galatians were walking in the strength of their own good works. Uh, they were walking in the power of the life they could build themselves by gathering um, the riches the world had to offer to themselves. And Paul comes and says that when they were in that place, um, God called them out of that into the strength that was found in the life that uh, the Father manifested in Christ. And, you know, Paul says a, a few verses later that, that God also called him um, out of the world by his grace. You know, when you look at the word for church um, in the Greek, it's ecclesia. And, and really, for me, I mean, you could say a lot of things about the different meaning of the Greek word. When you weigh, you're supposed to, not, you're supposed to weigh the Greek words in the balance of the context because there's so many meanings for each Greek word. And so you don't just take the Greek word, but you take the Greek word and look at the meanings there, and you weigh it in the context of what's being said. Well, in the context of the word ecclesia, the way it's used in the scriptures, what it's talking about is the called out ones, those that have been called out from the world into the kingdom of 
God's dear son. Now listen, God has come and, and called everybody his children. God has revealed himself to be the father of all. Um, and, and the called out ones are those who have heard the voice of the father and have called upon his name, meaning that uh, they have allowed him to surname them. They've allowed him to place his name behind their name. Their hearts have cried out, Father, okay? And so that's what Paul's getting at, that these guys um, were in the congregation that was built upon the strength in a man's hand, and they were walking in the strength of their own hand. They were walking in the strength of their own good works. And when they were in that place, God called them out of uh, walking in their own strength, or he called them out of that place into the the grace um, or the strength that was manifested in Christ when God raised him from the dead. Now, the the grace of Christ, you know, we, we, we've had such a wrong understanding of, of God and, and the gospel that, you know, the grace, the understanding of grace has kind of just been relegated to uh, some idea that, um, well, God's not mad at you anymore. Um, that, that doesn't really have anything to do with, with the, the grace of Christ. I mean, it's true God's not mad at you, but that's not what the grace of Christ is. The, the grace of Christ is the strength um, contained in his resurrection life. It's the power that comes forth from the life that the Father has in himself. The Father has a life in himself that overcomes and he has given that for Jesus to have that same life that overcomes in himself. Just as Jesus said in the scriptures, man, in the, in the world you'll have tribulation, um, but man, uh, when you see that I've overcome the world, that will uh, cleanse your heart from fear. So there's grace for us in the life that manifested in Jesus. There's a strength for us in the life that the Father manifested in Jesus. And so what God did, you know, the Matthew and Mark, I think, talk about the parable of the sower sowing the seed. Well, what God come and did through Jesus is he sowed his life into the earth. And he sowed his life into the earth so we can walk in his strength and not our own strength. And so Paul came to the Galatians and he didn't come uh, in his own name, meaning he didn't come uh, in his own desire to be an apostle. He didn't come in his own vain philosophies, but he came in the name of the Father to preach the gospel of Christ to the Galatians. And the reason he, he came and preached the gospel of Christ to the Galatians was so the Galatians' intimacy could be with Jesus, and through their intimacy being with Jesus, they could have intimacy with the Father. And through intimacy with the Son and through the Son with the Father, what could happen there is they could receive strength from the Father's life to overcome the death in the world and to overcome the accusation of the evil one and appear as the sons of daughters of God. I mean, that's really why God sent Jesus into the earth, right? He, he called us his children, Right? He saw us as his children, but there was something in the way of us appearing as the sons and daughters of God. And the thing that was in the way of us appearing as the sons and daughters of God is the death that entered the world by, by Adam and the wisdom of the serpent or the serpent's message, which is that we could find life by the strength in our own hand, that we could exalt ourselves unto life by uh, using our own ability to gather the good, the riches in the world to ourselves. And so that was standing in the way uh, of us appearing as the sons and daughters of God. And so what God did was he manifested his life in Jesus when he raised him from the dead. And the life that manifested in Jesus was a light to all people, meaning declaring to all people that God has a life in himself that can overcome the death in the world and that it's God, God's good pleasure to serve them with this life as a gift. And as John would say, to all who will receive the free gift 
of God's life, the gift God has in himself to give, which is his incorruptible life. They shall receive strength from that life to overcome the death that's in the world and to overcome the accusation of the evil one, which accusation is that mankind is not the children of God, and we shall, and then we can appear as the sons and daughters of God. Hallelujah. So, Paul, after delivering the message to the Galatians, man, he finds that they're, they're removed from the message. And so Paul marveled that the Galatians were so quickly removed from the grace the Father poured out on them through Jesus um, and for another gospel, which Paul says is not another gospel at all. Now, the word gospel means good news. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the good news of what God has done to strengthen us with his life so we can overcome the death and the tribulation in the world by his power and not the, the strength in our own hand. Now, the, the message the Judaizers um, were, were, were going out and preaching and that the, preached to the Galatians, Paul says it, it cannot be another gospel and you know, the reason it can't be another gospel is because it isn't good news, <laughs> okay? That's why it's not another gospel. I mean, in order to be a gospel, it would have to be good news. And Paul says it can't, it isn't good news, the message they preach to you, because it, it can't cause you to overcome the death in the world. As Paul said in the first five verses about God delivering us from this present evil age by the power of his Christ, the message the Judaizers preached can't deliver us from this present evil age. It can't cause us to overcome the accusation of the evil one and to be uh, and for our lives to be brought forth clothed in the glory and immortality of God. If you go and read, remember we talked about uh, Acts 9, I think through chapter 9 through 15, uh, corresponding with Paul's letter to the Galatians. If you go and read in, in Acts uh, chapter 13, verse 39, Paul says that God raised Jesus from the dead, never to be able to see corruption again. And he says the reason he did that was to justify us from all the things that the law of Moses could never justify us from. And, and so the Judaizers came with the message that you could be justified through the, performing the works of the law. Paul comes and says it's not another gospel because it isn't good news because uh, the, the works of the law can't justify you from death. It can't serve you with the life and immortality of God, right? And, and Paul comes and says that, that God gave his son. He raised Jesus from the dead, never to see corruption again, so that through the, the man Jesus, who was clothed upon with an incorruptible life, uh, God, the Father could pour out the spirit of his life onto all flesh, and then that spirit could dwell in those who believe on Jesus, and that spirit could justify them from the death that the law of Moses could never justify them from. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Paul says in, in, in chapter 3 of Galatians, he keeps building on this idea um, about why it's not another gospel. And, and, it, and that it, it's not good news. Paul says in, in chapter 3 that no flesh can be justified by the works of the law. He says that anyone who thinks life is, is found in the works of the law ha have placed themselves under the curse. So it's not just like good news like, oh, hallelujah, but it's like sorrowful news, like, oh, wretched men that I am, right? He says anyone who thinks that life is found in the works of the law, have placed themselves under their curse. They are sweating from their brows, trying to find life by their own works. They're, they're looking for life in their own works. Well, there, is, there isn't life for them in their own works. And so that leaves them experiencing a cursed life, whether all the time sweating from their brow, but never seeing the fruit of God's life come forth and only seeing thorns and thistles, only seeing uh, the works of the flesh come forth out of them. That's the cursed life, right? And so listen, any message that is about how you can be justified through the strength contained in your own works is not a gospel at all. Any message that says how you're going to prove that your sonship or your daughterhood 
by your own works is not a gospel at all. And it's not the wisdom from above. And in fact, it's the poison of asps. It's the poison of asps what it is. And we ought not be surprised that the poison of asps has infiltrated so much of the the preaching that comes in the name of the Lord. Because as Paul would come and say, I think in in one of his letters to the Corinthians, um, is that, it man, it's no surprise to us that uh, Satan masquerades as an angel of light. He comes to uh, infect the, the message of the gospel with the poison of his message so that in the name of Jesus, people can still be stung with death, right? It's like what, what Jesus said to the Israelites. Listen, man, um, you claim God out of your mouth, but your heart is far from him, right? And so any message that's about how you can be justified through the strength contained in your own works, listen, it's not a gospel at all. It comes from the elementary principles of this world and the philosophies of man. It's earthy. It hasn't come from above. The, the life that it can serve you with, listen, it's only dust. It, it, the, 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 that message, that kind of a message, it's not the Father's message. Just know this, when the Father speaks, his language is Christ. Jesus is the Father's doctrine. And so when you think about uh, what the Father would have to say in your midst, in the same way that Paul said he purposed to know nothing save Christ crucified in your midst, you can be sure that when the Father speaks, he purposes to know nothing in your midst save Christ crucified. And you can know that any message that comes from the Father would, be, would, would, would only uh, be Christ crucified. Hallelujah. So, Paul, man, he, he clearly put on display in the Galatians' midst, Christ crucified. Um, he, he, he showed them what, what the strength in the flesh could serve them with. He pointed uh, to the reward that their own works had um, to, to pay, the reward their own works had in itself to pay them with by pointing to Jesus on the cross. You know, Paul said in 2 Corinthians, that Jesus uh, became our sin offering, meaning that Jesus took the reward that our own works was paying us with. He took it into himself so that we could be delivered from it. So we see what our own works can give us. We see the best our own works can give us in the death that manifested in Jesus's body on the cross. And Paul comes and says, I clearly put that on display in your midst, and you clearly saw it, and you clearly were persuaded by it. So Paul comes and says, in light of that, man, I'm a bit surprised. Really, I'm uh, kind of shocked that you could turn away from the message that's full of God's strength to justify you with life for a message that is all about the strength contained in man's hands to justify themselves with life. I'm kind of surprised that you've turned away from the, the only message that can satisfy Um, the desire you have for life with a message that can never satisfy and that can only feel you bloated because you're all the time just eating um, your own works and your works don't have the nutrients of life, but your your works are like uh, a buffet where the food is filled with filler. There's no nutrients that that satisfy, but there's filler in the food that that tries to to make you, you hungry, right? So Paul comes and says, At the end of uh, verse 7, that it's not another gospel, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel um, of Christ. Uh, You know, a little leaven leavens the the whole lump. And what Paul says there is that those who, who are coming to you, they may come to you out of their mouth saying, Jesus, Jesus, or Christ, Christ. They may come to you. Um, and open up the scriptures and tell you they come in the name of the Lord. But Paul says that they're adding leaven to the true bread the Father has sent from heaven. And that little leaven that they're adding, it will leaven the whole lump. Paul says the message they taught you, it will corrupt your minds from the singleness of Christ, and it will disturb the liberty that Jesus has come to give you. It will uh, take you out of the rest 
that Jesus's doctrine is filled with or that the doctrine of Christ is filled with, and it will put a heavy yoke of bondage back on you. That's why Paul would then later go on to say in, I think, uh, chapter 5 of his letter to the Galatians, which we'll get to later, that to be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Um, These guys have added leaven, and man, they've perverted God's doctrine, and they're disturbing uh, your souls, and they're taking your souls from rest, and they're placing a heavy yoke on you. And they're, they're preaching you a message that will fill you with labors and annoyances. Galatians um, chapter 1, verse 8. Verse 8, Paul goes on. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. So Paul brings up the angels and himself. Um, and we, meaning him or any of... Uh, forgive me there, meaning him or any of the other apostles, Um, whether an angel or any of the other apostles come to them uh, preaching another uh, message unto them other than Christ crucified, let him be accursed. You know, the angels, it's interesting, Paul uses the word angels there, and in in Galatians 3.19, Paul uses the angels, Um, but the angels were involved in Moses receiving the law on Mount Sinai. And and we'll get to this later in in chapter 3, but Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 19, that the law was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. And, And so you might say, why was the law given through the disposition of angels? Why was the why were the angels used to to give it to Moses? Well, well, Exodus 33 says no one can see the face of God and live. Now, we know that, uh, man, we're face-to-face with God now, and we know that um, we see God now in our hearts. Um, I mean, I, God's so tangible in my life, I, I see Him with me everywhere that I go. I see His face. I could probably uh, give a sketch artist a description of what I see, and they, they could draw it out. And we know that we'll, we'll see God's physical face, and, and we'll be face-to-face with Him for, for all eternity when, when the, the heaven that was created in Genesis and the earth that was created in Genesis collide and, and become one. But at, at that time that the law was given, no one could see the face of God and live. In fact, God said, man, show me your glory. I want to see your glory so I can be persuaded that, uh, man, that you're with me and with these people because uh, we're a stiff-necked people here, man. We, we struggle uh, to, to walk in your good work. We, we seem to have the propensity to, uh, to go back to our, our own good works. And God told Moses that, listen, man, you, that, that, that he couldn't see his face. You can't see my face or you're going to die, right? Um, and if Moses had seen God's face, what it would be like, or if anybody would have stood in the presence of God back then, what it would be like, was standing in the presence of God clothed in, in filthy rags. Now listen, God wouldn't condemn you, but the accuser of the brethren hadn't been cast out yet. And the accuser of the brethren would have been there uncovering uh, their nakedness. And so if, God, if Moses would, would have seen uh, God's face, um, the accuser of the brethren would have been there to uh, uncover Moses' nakedness and accuse him. You know, something interesting about uh, Moses going up the the mount to receive the law is um, in the Jewish oral tradition, um, the the Talmud, uh, when they talk about Moses going up the mountain, um, they, they, you know, a lot of the ancient uh, Jewish writings and and oral tradition um, had a, a, what do I want to say? I don't want to say an obsession. That might be a little strong. Um, but they, they, they were really into the angels and talked a lot about the angels. And one of the things they said about Moses going up the mountain to receive the law is that there was angels along the way as Moses went up the mountain telling him that he didn't have the right to be in the presence of God. Now, listen, we know that it couldn't be the angels of God that were telling Moses that 
because God had Moses come up the mountain to receive the law. And so if, if that account be true, and I'll leave that up to you to decide whether that be, be true or not, whether it be true or not, whether you believe it's true or not matters not to me. Um, but what I would say is if that there were angels de- there doing that, they would have had to been um, the fallen angels doing that. Um, because as Zechariah chapter 3, verse 2 says, um, it's Satan that's the accuser of the brethren. And it's Satan that accuses man when they stand in the, the presence of God, just as Satan was there accusing Joshua um, when Joshua stood in the presence of God. And it says Joshua was clothed in filthy rags um, in Zechariah chapter 3, verse 2. If, if, if you look in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul says that God predestined us in Christ so that we could stand before him holy and without blame, so that we could stand up so we could stand before him holy would just mean set apart um, unto his life, right? That we would be clothed in his life and that our hearts would be blameless in his presence and that no condemnation could manifest in our hearts, but that only love could manifest in our hearts. John the Baptist said that he baptized with water, but that there was one coming after him who would baptize um you with fire. And he was speaking of Jesus coming, that there was a baptism that Jesus had in his hand that was described as the baptism of fire. Now, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, the Spirit of God's life was poured out on all flesh. And the Spirit that was poured out there was seen as a tongue of fire resting on the heads of the disciples. And so if Moses had, had saw God's face without having been baptized in the Holy Spirit, if he, had been, uh, if he had seen God's face without being clothed in the fire of God's life, what would have happened there is he would have seen inequity between himself and between God. He, he, would have, he would have looked at God, and he wouldn't have seen that he looked the same as God. He would have seen God wrapped in light and life, but he wouldn't have seen himself as being wrapped in light and life. And, and what would have happened there is his heart would have accused him and would have worked condemnation and fear in his heart, and that would have been unto his death. And so the law was written by the finger of God, and it was given to Moses by the disposition of angels. And so Paul comes and says, listen, man, these Judaizers, yeah, listen, um, they may have gotten their, their message uh by the hand of angels through through Moses, um, but listen whether whether an angel themselves comes to you or whether we myself or any of the other apostles come to you one day and we deliver a message to you other than the message of Christ crucified, other than the message that I delivered to you to begin with, and the message that I'm uh, confirming and affirming in my letter to you, man, let it be accursed. Right. And so, listen, I'm not I'm not sure if if the Judaizers uh, used the the law, having come from the hand of the angels to try to uh, tell the Galatians how glorious their message was. But Paul comes and says, whether it be an angel or whether I myself come to you with any other message, let there be no confusion. Let that message be accursed. Right. Um. And he says it again in verse 9, as we said before. So say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Okay, now, Paul, this is an interesting thing now. You know, for many years I was like, yeah, Paul is cursing these guys, right? But um, as Jesus said to, I think, John and James, um, when they wanted to call down fire on the Samaritans. Uh, you don't know what spirit you are of. And what I could say is that, I mean, I had a zeal for the things of God in the past, but I, I didn't really know God. I mean, I knew of God, and I, I knew that uh, God sent Jesus to die on the cross, and God raised him from the dead. But I didn't know the heart of God behind any of those things. I didn't know the love uh, um, of God. I didn't know the love that Jesus um, saw in the Father. And so 
Um, yeah, I, I thought I said I taught that Paul's calling down a curse on these false apostles. But listen, man, Paul isn't calling down a curse on the false apostles. The Spirit of God doesn't move and live um, in the same way as the spirit that's behind things like voodoo um, or witchcraft. It doesn't move in, in, that, in that same same way. And, and when Paul uh, says, if anybody comes with a, a different message, let them be accursed in your eyes, he's, he's not acting in the same capacity as a witch doctor or as a, a voodoo priestess that, that would uh, drum up a cauldron um, and cast a spell to curse someone or that might make a voodoo doll and sticks pins in them to curse someone. Listen, man, in the day we describe what Paul's saying there in the same uh, likeness that voodoo and witch doctors, um, the things voodoo people and witch doctors do to curse people, that might be the first indication that we're misunderstanding there. Um, you, you don't have to call down a curse on people who are trying to be justified uh, through the strength of the flesh. They've already brought a curse upon themselves. They, they, the, the curse is already upon them, is what I want to say. They're already walking in a cursed life. They're already sweating from the brow trying to gather life to themselves. You don't have to call down a curse on people who were sowing the strength in their own hand towards the end of trying to reap life. Just as Paul would come and say in Galatians chapter 6, God cannot be mocked, meaning uh, God cannot proven to be a liar. If God has said the reward that your works have to pay you with is corruption, then those who sow the strength contained in their own hand, those who sow the strength of their flesh to try to be justified with their life or to try to gather life to themselves, they will from their own strength. They will from their own logic, from that belief they've implemented, they will from that belief reap unto themselves corruption. So listen, you don't have to call down a, a curse upon people who are walking in the wisdom of the serpent because the iniquity that was in the serpent's heart, the wisdom of the serpent that, that said he will gather life unto himself, that he'll be exalted unto life by using his own ability to gather life to himself, that wisdom, that logic, man, that logic contains within itself a cursed life. And so you don't have to call down a curse upon someone who's busy with that. They already have a cursed life upon them. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 15 says it this way. Speaking of the messengers of Satan, what it says is, therefore, it is no great thing if Satan's ministers, if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works, not according to God calling a curse down upon them. The destruction that will come upon them won't be by the hand of God. James come and said that uh, only good and perfect gifts come down from the Father of lights in heaven. I know that we've uh, looked on God with the carnal mind and studied the scriptures from the carnal mind, but the only thing God has in his hand to give is the gift of eternal life. And so the, the, the end, who their end is destruction. That destruction doesn't come from the Father. That destruction comes from them trying to enlist their own ability to serve themselves with life. They're not self-existent. They don't have life in and of themselves to produce. Only God does. And so should they try to enlist their own strength to serve themselves with life, the only thing their strength has to give them is corruption. And so that's uh, the, how the curse comes upon a person. And so what, what Paul says there, um, what he says about the, the message those guys is preaching and the curse there. What he wants those guys to do is he wants them to reject the message that the Judaizers preached. And he wants them to reject any message uh, that anyone preaches to them that isn't the message of Christ crucified he delivered. He delivered to them. To curse something means to reject it. For something to be cursed in your eyes means for you to see it as being rejected. 
Jesus cursed the fig tree um, when he when he came upon the fig tree because it promised him fruit, um, but it couldn't serve him with fruit. And so he cursed it because he rejected it as being able to clothe him with the fruit of God's life. If you remember in uh, Genesis, when Adam ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it says that Adam tried to clothe himself with fig leaves, right? And But the fig leaves couldn't decorate him or clothe him in the fruit of God's life. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil promised Adam that he could be clothed in the fruit of God's life, but then it could never clothe him. So Jesus, he, he come upon the fig tree. He saw that fig tree promised him fruit. That's what it means that a fig tree has green leaves. It's telling you that it has fruit to give you. But when Jesus got up on the fig tree, it had no fruit to give him. And so Jesus cursed it, meaning he rejected the fig tree. He rejected the knowledge of good and evil as being able to clothe upon him with life. On the cross, we see Jesus. He rejected the messengers of Satan who came to him when he was on the cross, stripped naked, nailed to the cross, telling him to use his strength to come down off the cross and justify himself. Jesus rejected that message. He hid his face from that message. So Paul is telling the Galatians, whether we, me, and all the brethren that are with me, that all the brethren that agree with this message, all the other apostles, whether we or an angel themselves or someone coming and telling you that they're delivering the message that Moses received by the hand of angels, whether any one of us come to you with a different message than the message of Christ crucified, let that message be cursed in your eyes. Paul says in Galatians 2, he'll hit on this again. He says, if he builds again the things which he tore down, does that now mean that Christ is the one ministering the new message? Does that now mean Christ is the one minister sin? Paul says, is Christ the minister of sin? If I come back to you at a different time and build again the things which I originally tore down in your midst? Certainly not. Paul tells the Galatians, even should he be the one who comes to them, rebuilding the doctrines he tore down by putting Christ crucified on display in their midst. He says, let your heart know that what I'm saying to you is not come from Christ and it's not come from the Father. Let your heart's esteem, whoever may come to you with a different gospel as false apostles, let your heart know that they're not messengers of God. Let your heart know that the message they're declaring to you, it's the poison of asp that's under their tongues. They speak swelling words of vanity, but their message can never justify you with life. It has an appearance of wisdom. It has an appearance of knowledge. It sounds like it can uh, discipline the flesh. It sounds wise to be able to give you or to decorate you in the fruit of God's life, but it's it's filled with nothing more than vanity and the unrighteousness of uh, the philosophies of man. It can never justify you with life. You know, I've told the, I've said this many years joking with the people in the fellowship here. Um, and what I've said is, listen, man, um, <laughs> if I ever come with a message about how you can inherit the blessing of life by your own works, or by the things that you can do um, for me or for the church or for God, if I ever come with that kind of message about how you can be justified um, in your heart by uh, the works which you can do, listen, run for the doors. I told them, I don't care how much I preached it right. If it ever comes the day that I preach something other than Christ crucified, run for the doors. <laughs> the only thing that I've said to them is, listen, uh, draw straws or whatever you need to do, but uh, on the way out, uh, man, uh, let one of you love my life enough to uh, tell me that I've lost the plot and to preach the gospel to me in the spirit of meekness uh, so that I can have my heart filled with the work of God again and my heart can be circumcised for my own works. Glory to God. Um, I know I've gone uh, almost 45 minutes. Um, we'll finish up with verse 10. Paul comes and says, for I do, for do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Now listen, when Paul says 
do I now persuade men or God? That can be a kind of a funny thing. I mean, how do you try to persuade men? Um, and if you look at the Greek word there, um, used for persuade, it can also mean uh, to obey um, or to seek to do the will of another, which um, just means to come in the name of someone else, right? That uh, you're coming according to uh, what they have in, in their heart. Um, and what Paul's doing there is he's continuing to address his apostleship and the origin of his message and the, the authenticity of his message that it has actually come from the Father. And what he does is he, he poses the question concerning the origin of his message and his ministry so that he could then answer the question. And when you read Paul's, uh, many of Paul's letters, he, he's, an, he's a master in, in, in what would be called in today's world, and maybe for a long time, I don't know the history of it. Um, he's a master in the art of argument. And so what you see Paul do a lot of times is pose questions and then answer it. It's like he's looking ahead into questions that could come up from what he said and so that he could then answer questions people could have. And what he's also doing is posing questions people could have um, and then answering them so that they could have their questions answered without having to pose them themselves. And so Paul poses a question, and he answers it himself. He says, am I come by the will of God or by the will of man? Is my message from man or from God? Have I been sent to preach by man or by God? And we really develop what, what Paul says about that in the next uh, six or seven verses, um, the question Paul poses there. So Paul, to be a servant, real quick, um, Paul says after that, listen, if my message had come from man, if I had been sent by man, um, if, if I came according to the will of a man, I, I wouldn't be the servant of Christ, right? And what he means there by being a servant of Christ is to, to bear the message of Christ crucified. And, and so Paul's describing himself as a messenger of Christ. And he says if his ministry was born from the will of man, he wouldn't be the messenger of Christ. The message that he came declaring wouldn't be Christ crucified if he had got his message from man. In fact, the only way his message would be Christ crucified was by revelation of Christ Jesus um, by revelation of uh, the, the glorified man, Christ Jesus, who had been stripped naked and nailed to the cross and that had been brought forth out of the grave, having overcome death by the glory of the Father and by the Father's love for Jesus. And, and just real quick, you know, Jesus was raised from the dead, not just because the Father was filled with love for Jesus. Jesus is the, was the Son of Man. He is the Son of Man. And so Jesus was raised from the dead by, his, by the Father's love for you. Jesus was raised from the dead by the Father not being willing to let you perish. Jesus was raised from the dead because when the Father thought of you not being with him for all eternity, he found something in his heart that said, let it never be so. And so Paul says he wouldn't come with the message of Christ crucified except he had gotten his message from the Father revealing Christ Jesus to him. Hallelujah. And so Paul's saying, I didn't come to you using per persuasive speech that was full of man's wisdom. Paul didn't come to the Galatians um, with uh, words that were filled with man's wisdom, that uh, it's the strong according to the flesh, the noble according to the flesh, and the wise according to the flesh that um, are, are blessed with life. Paul came in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. He came declaring the wisdom that was revealed in Jesus on the cross. He came declaring what God had done um, to overcome death in the flesh so the, that the Galatians' faith would, would be in God and what he'd done and the work in, of his hand instead of their faith being in the strength of their own hand. Just as Paul would later say, I don't want to say later, but... I guess it, it would have been later in years, chronologically, 
But just as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, he purposed to know nothing in the midst of the Galatians except the message of Christ crucified. For Christ is the wisdom of God and the power of God. Glory to God. I know we, growing up in, in my charismatic days, we used to have this funny saying, listen, man, um, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words, right? Um, <laughs> as if somehow um, people could be saved without uh, the, the gospel being declared to them, whether it be declared to them in their hearts through the Spirit um, or whether it be declared to them by pre preach, people preaching words. But listen, the power of the gospel, the demonstration of the Spirit of God and the power of God is found in the preaching of Christ crucified. It's contained in the message of Christ crucified. Just as Paul would come and say in, in Romans, I think, chapter 10, how shall they be saved unless there be a preacher? And so um, that's the, the power of the gospel. It's contained in the, the, the message of what God has, has done. The power of the gospel is not contained in uh, signs and wonders, although um, we believe in signs and wonders, and we know God has uh, taken captivity captive and given gifts unto mankind so that uh, the gifts that manifest in people can uh, declare um, the, the message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is where the real power is contained. It's contained in uh, the, the message of Jesus having conquered the grave, never to be able to die again. That's where the power is contained. Just as Jesus said to the disciples, don't rejoice in the miracles and the signs and wonders you can uh, perform, but rather rejoice that your name is written in the book of life. For signs and wonders do not contain the power of God, but the message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ contain the power of God. And while we uh, desire to see signs and wonders so that um, they can witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we, we, we desire those signs and wonders knowing that the power of the gospel is contained in the message of Christ crucified. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you for this time together. Um, just let the words that uh, were spoken here, um, let them rest in your heart. Um, read ahead if you like. Um, but man, try and just sit and read Galatians. Read Galatians in the scriptures. Maybe get a Bible app where Galatians is read to you. Um, and, and just sit in the letter of the Galatians and uh, look over my notes and look over this message, listen to this message, and talk to the Father and see what the Spirit reveals to you. Glory to God. Be blessed.